2 Peter chapter 2. My message today is entitled that the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. Look to the person next to you and say, God can rescue you. As I was praying this week, I felt the need to go back to a similar theme that I spoke on several weeks ago and tell somebody, and you need to hear this, friend, God is able to deliver you. God is able to rescue you. God has not forgotten about you, and it doesn't matter how you got into your predicament. The funny thing is, is a lot of times whenever we mess up and we get ourselves into our own predicament because of our foolishness or because of our stubbornness, we think that because of that, sometimes God will not come and rescue us. But even if it's because of your foolishness or your hard-heartedness or your rebellion against God, He's still able and he's still willing to come and rescue you when you call upon him. Okay? He's still willing to deliver you. He's still willing to set you free. I know that when God speaks to me and when he keeps coming back to a particular topic like he has with this topic, I know it's because he wants to do something for somebody who was going to be here today. And I pray that as you hear God's word, that your faith will grow. I pray as you hear God's word today, that you will not just sit there and listen and say, yeah, yeah, but that you will grab a hold of this truth. Peter writes about what it's going to be like in the last days. Listen to these words. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. And they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them. And their destruction has not been sleeping. For if God did not spare angels when they sin, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment, if God did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them with ashes... And made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man, who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless. For that righteous man, living among them day after day, listen to this, was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desires of the flesh and despise authority. Would you bow your heads? Father, we pray that you would add a blessing to the reading of your word. I pray that you'd open up our hearts and let us hear what the spirit of the Lord would say to his people. And we'll thank you for that in Jesus name. 
Peter tells us what it's going to be like in the last days. He says, in the last days, there's going to be these false prophets, these false teachers who will work their way into the body of Christ, into the church, and will covertly, they're not going to do it blatantly, but they will covertly introduce false teachings, false doctrines to the body. In the last days, it says that there's going to be many people who will be led astray by these teachings and their conduct and the conduct of these false teachers, and it will cause the church of Jesus Christ to be discredited, okay? It says in the last days, there's going to be false teachers. They're going to twist the doctrines and twist things, and it's going to cause the church to be discredited. The world is going to look and it's going to cause disrepute to come upon the church and upon the people. One of the marks of these false teachers is that they will be greedy and that they will take advantage of people by manipulating them through their made-up stories. They're going to tell stories and they're going to present something that's not really quite clear or accurate and it's going to deceive people but they're going to manipulate them through their stories. The scripture promises us this, that judgment is coming upon them, okay? Anyone who messes with God's people, any person in a position of leadership or given a place of influence and they misuse that or abuse that or manipulate God's people, he says that judgment is coming upon them. And God's going to bring judgment that's swift and his judgment will be severe. The challenge is when we hear that of what some people are going to do, that a lot of times people want to attribute those characteristics of a few to the whole. Do you know what I'm saying? They want to say that now all ministry leaders, all teachers are that way. And that is not accurate. You know, we hear the world... And as I was preparing my message, the word that came to my mind was the spirit of Antichrist. We hear the spirit of Antichrist and carnal Christians trying to discredit the ministry by making accusations against the church of Jesus Christ, by making accusations against the ministers, true ministers of the gospel, and by discrediting by saying what the world says today of the church is all the church wants is your money. That's what the world says. It's, that's all that they want. Now, there's going to be false teachers who are going to rise up. The scripture clearly teaches us that. And they're going to manipulate people. But may I suggest to you, may I say to you that that is not the majority of them. And yet, sometimes because a couple are that way, that's what the world believes. Here's the reality. God established a way for those who spend their lives working for him to be cared for. He established a tithe. I want to just give you a little background. There were 12 tribes. The Levites were among the smallest of the 12 tribes. And God told his people that a tenth of all they received was to be given to the support of the ministry of the priests and the Levites. Just by God's design, 11 larger tribes supporting one smaller tribe. We see that God wanted his servants to be well cared for. That was the tithe. That wasn't including offerings that were required by God's people. Let me say this to you. God is a good provider. If you work for him, if you do for him, 
God is faithful. He provides for his people. He meets their needs. He says, when you serve me, I'll bless you. The devil is not the one who blesses us. The devil is not a good provider. He steals, kills, and destroys. That's what his job is. When you do things God's way, God says that his blessings will come upon you. The reality is that in many churches across America, only a small portion of the people who attend church follow the biblical mandate to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. In many churches, there's not much meat in the house. There's boxes of macaroni and cheese. There's some store brand cereal. There's some Kool-Aid packets, maybe a couple cans of of SpaghettiOs. But in many churches in America, there's not much meat in the house. Why is it? Because people fail to honor his word completely. If people would simply tithe, the needs of the ministry would be met in full. You tithe on everything you make. You don't become too rich or too poor to give to God what belongs to him. The funny thing is that people can trust God in their local church when they make little, but when God blesses them, somehow they've made too much now to tithe to their local church. People supporting their families whenever a pastor goes and plants a church. He's not being greedy because he has to pay for his kids' shoes and pay his electric. That's not the thing. But the mark of a false prophet is that he's not satisfied with what God gives him. That's really the mark of a false prophet. When God provides for us, there's a place where we're satisfied and we say, thank you, Lord. You've been good to me. But a false prophet, these false teachers, they'll never be satisfied with what God gives them. It's not enough somehow. Somehow they have to have more. This false prophets that he's talking about are controlled by his greed. But don't worry about that. God said he's going to deal with him. Just as God dealt with the fallen angels, just as God dealt with the ancient people during the time of Noah, just as God dealt with Sodom and Gomorrah, but as God judges the wicked. I love what Peter said. God says, I'm going to judge the wicked. And he calls that greedy false teacher in the last days, he calls him a wicked person. He says, my judgment's going to come upon them. But as God's judgment comes, listen to these wonderful words that Peter says. He says, if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless. For that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, listen to this then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. So this idea, sometimes we get a little nervous because we feel like maybe God's not going to deal with the unrighteous, that he's not going to deal with those who need discipline. You don't have to worry about that. God's going to take care of that. God knows how to rescue the righteous from trials. I don't know what trial or temptation you're facing. I don't know what you're up against, but I know God does. I don't know what torments your mind when you go to pray. Can I suggest to you that we deal in a very real way with spiritual forces? There's angels and there's demons, and I'm not looking for a demon under every corner, but I know that the angels of the Lord encamp around about those who fear him. If you are not aware of the spiritual warfare 
that's going on all around about us. There's attacks where Satan comes against God's people. He comes against them. Sometimes temptation comes in. The word says that when the enemy comes in like a flood. What's a flood? You don't get a flood just, whoom. A flood just rushes in on people. And sometimes there are spiritual attacks. Sometimes there's oppression. Sometimes there's darkness. There's powers of evil that come against men and women of God. You're wanting to do the right thing and all of a sudden heaviness just comes on you. All of a sudden darkness. You can sometimes feel the darkness coming in and pressing on you. Sometimes you feel overwhelmed by family pressures. And can I say that sometimes the devil uses some people around you? Huh? Like, amen for that. Glory to God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Pastor's preaching it now. Sometimes the old devil comes on my kids, you might say. Or or on my boss. I know the devil might even be in him. I don't know. My neighbor, I know the devil uses him, you know. You may have all kinds of situations. We're not wrestling with flesh and blood. Our battles is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. And as long as we can keep that secretive and act like that that's not a reality, can I tell you that we're fighting for your souls some days? There's a war going on for your children. There's a war going on for your life. For some of you, there may be a war going on for you to even take your own life. The enemy speaking lies into your mind, feeling hopeless, feeling overwhelmed. There's a war going on for your children, for your marriage, for your reputation. Not your reputation because of you, but because you belong to Jesus. Because you've said, I will follow him. The enemy is doing everything within his power to bring you down and to humiliate you and embarrass you and bring reproach upon your name. But more importantly, he wants to bring reproach upon Jesus's name. He wants to bring reproach to say that that it's fake, that it's not real. You know the story that we're going to talk about in Sodom and Gomorrah. If you want to turn there real quickly. Or Genesis chapter 19. Lot was in a place that he really shouldn't have been. Abraham and Lot come out. You know, they had a dispute. They were being blessed. They were both being blessed. God was good to them. They were prospering. And Abraham and Lot, their herdsmen were debating and arguing and fighting with each other. And so they said, you know, we got to part ways here. Abram says to Lot, you choose the way that you want to go and I'll take my guys and go the other way. He preferred his nephew over himself. And Lot looked down there, and he looked towards the plains of Sodom. Now, there's something that happens when you start looking in a certain direction. I'm preaching to somebody now. There's something that happens when you start, bro, I'm telling you, it starts when you start looking that way. If you want to overcome the enemy, you've got to turn your head from certain things. You don't even belong looking in that direction. Right there is where you made your mistake. He turned his face and he looked towards Sodom with something about it that drew him. There's some young people here, some old people here, that there's something about the world, something about the things of the flesh that draws you. And you really don't want to be there, but there's a part of you say, no, I don't want to do that. But then you're kind of like, start looking that direction again. So Lot looks that way. The scripture tells us that he pitched his tent towards Sodom. 
the next time, before long, you find that Lot kind of moved down to Sodom. And the next time, first he pitched his tent in that direction. The next time you hear about him, you know, he's, he's down that way. And then he's sitting at the city gate. He's become a leader. He's a leader in this defiled community. He moved right in. I tell you, he didn't belong there. He didn't belong there. There's some places where you don't belong, my friend. There's some places as a child of God that you need to leave behind. And if you go back there, if you allow yourself to start looking in that direction again, before you know it, you're going to be back in that same pit you were in before. Now, God's delivered you and he brought you out. But you keep looking back there. You keep looking in that direction. What we find there is lots in the middle of all of this mess. Now, the Bible calls him righteous man. The Bible's true. I kind of struggle a little bit with Lot being a righteous man. Maybe righteous people, sometimes we make dumb decisions. Okay? So God knew his heart. God knew about him. You know, David's a man after God's own heart. But he, he commits adultery and he kills somebody and covers it up, lies about it. How is it that God somehow sees what's in our heart, how he sees us? Okay? Lot's standing there, and God talks to Abram, and God tells Abram, hey, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abram begins to intercede. Thank God for some people who intercede. Some of you mom and dads and grandmoms and aunts and uncles, some of you folks who intercede on behalf of your family, you stand between them and God's judgment. You do. Your prayers. Your prayers for your brother or your sister or your family member, they hold back God's judgment in that person's life. Thank God for that. Thank God for somebody praying for us. Amen? Thank God for somebody praying for us. As He tells him, I'm going to destroy the city. And Abram tried to make a deal with God. You know, hey, how about 50? How about 40? He's like lowball on God. You know what I mean? Oh, would you take 10 righteous people? So Abraham is he's talking to God. And then God sends, literally sends angels down because Lot had become comfortable in the place that he was in, yet judgment was coming. He'd become accustomed to that place. Can I suggest to you that some of you can get accustomed to places that you don't belong? You can become accustomed to living a life of compromise. You can become accustomed to living a life of sin and disobedience. You still sense God's presence. You still know him, but you've compromised and you've let the enemy into your life. Now listen to what it says here. The angels come down. The two men said to Lot. These two guys come and the guys outside, I'm going to call this, there are false teachers in the church today. There are false teachers who want to say that the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was that they didn't show hospitality. That's a bunch of baloney. Those are the people that the scripture is talking about. They want to say the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was not that men are trying to rape men. The sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was that they didn't show hospitality. That's baloney. These two angels appear. They come down. They tell Lot, we're trying, we're, you know, it's time for you to roll. Judgment's coming. And when, as they come into the town... The men of the city, the guys say, we'll stay out here. Lot's like, no, you can't stay out here tonight. This is not, this is, you don't want to be sleeping on this street, okay? The men come and try to break down the door. 
because they want to get to these men and rape them and have sex with them. Righteous Lot, which I don't understand, you know that Lot did not carry. You know, he didn't have a concealed carry permit. Righteous Lot says, he offers to him, he says, listen, I got two virgin daughters who've never been with a man. How about I give them to you and you do with them what you want? I don't understand, God. I don't understand. I don't understand that one. Genesis 19, verse 12. The two men said to Lot, do you have anyone else here? Sons-in-law, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here because we're going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were pledged to marry his daughters. And he said, hurry and get out of this place because the Lord's about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-laws thought he was joking. It sounds familiar today, don't it? God's going to bring judgment. Ah, no. They thought he was joking. With the coming dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, Hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the man grasped his hands and the hands of his wife and his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful with them. In the midst of all of this sin, in the midst of God saying, I'm going to bring judgment, I'm going to destroy, I'm going to wipe out the city, and if you don't come now, you're going to be swept up in it, Lot hesitates. Yet God is still faithful. You know what God did? Those angels of the Lord literally grabbed him by the hand and grabbed a hold of his daughters, and they pulled them out of that city. Has anyone here ever had God do that for you? Has anyone here had God literally come and pull you out of a situation or pull you out of a place that you didn't belong? Has anyone here had God intervene in some way that protected you from falling, that protected you from destroying your life and your family and and all the things that you hold dear to you? Has anyone here had God, even when you wanted to go and do something stupid, God came in and he blocked your path? I'm talking to somebody now. We need to give him praise because how many times has he come and rescued us? It's not just Lot. Now listen to what it says. As soon as he brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives. Listen to this. Don't look back. I'm preaching to somebody. And don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you'll be swept away. But Lot said to them, no, my Lord, please. Your servant has found favor in your eyes and you've shown great kindness to me in sparing my life, but I can't flee to the mountains. What an idiot. (laughs) This disaster will overtake me and I'll die. Look, that here is a town near enough to run to and it's small. Let me flee to it. It's very small, isn't it? Then my life will be spared. He said to him, very well, I'll grant this request too. I will not overthrow the town you speak of, but flee there quickly because I cannot do anything until you reach it. That's why the town was called Zoar. By the time Lot reached Zoar, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. 
Thus he overthrew those cities in the entire plain, destroying all those living in the cities and also the vegetation in the land. Listen to this. But Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. I'm going to talk to you about this. I'm telling you, God knows how to deliver you out of your trouble. God knows how to preserve the righteous. Now, Lot's not, like, he's not completely righteous. Kind of like some of you. Huh? I mean, we're righteous because of what Jesus did, but there's still some stuff got to be working on. As he delivers him, Lot's wife looks back and she turned into a pillar of salt. There was something about Sodom and Gomorrah. Although God grabbed them by the hand and was pulling them out, she's still wanting to go back there. Friend, God knows how to rescue you. He can deliver you. You know, even God can't overcome stupid. He can't. Even God can't overcome stupid. Some of you, you determine in your heart, God, don't take me too far. I don't understand when God wants to bring us out. Why is it that that sometimes people want to stay in the plains? Why is it sometimes that people say, well, God, don't take me too far from the lifestyle that you brought me from. Oh, no, Lord, don't, don't take me too far. Don't deliver me too much. That was really Lot's thing. God knows how to deliver the righteous. He preserved Lot's life. But Lot didn't want to go too far off the plains. I don't know about you, but I know that I serve a God who is able to deliver his people. He can set you free. He can break the bondage in your life. But whenever he tells you to head to the mountains, you need to head to the mountains. And he tells you to get away from that stuff. When you hear a preacher of righteousness telling you to flee from temptation, to get away from that old lifestyle. You don't need to listen to false prophets who tell you, oh, it's okay if you dabble in that a little bit. Can I tell you there's a lot of people, there's people in this room, if you dabble with that garbage a little bit, before long you will be right back in the middle of it. You gotta choose today who you're gonna serve. You either serve the Lord and serve him with all your heart and leave that garbage behind or just go back into it. Just say, that's what you choose. I choose Sodom and Gomorrah. I choose to live that way. Listen to what the word says. God rescued Lot from the place. The angel had to literally grab him by the hand and pull him out. Second Corinthians 10, 4 through 5 says this. It says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds and casting down of imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Exodus 14 verses 13 through 14 says, don't be afraid, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he has accomplished for you today. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Deuteronomy 20 Verse 4 says, the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to save you and to give you victory. And I love this one from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 10, 27 says, it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away off from thy shoulders and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Did you hear that? 
It says that his yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. Can I say this to you today? I serve a God who knows how to deliver the righteous. Friend, he knows where you're at. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, his righteousness is credited to you by faith. Not only is his righteousness credited to you, but his desire is that you be free, that you not be controlled by life-controlling habits, by sin, by the old lifestyle. He wants you to be free. The word says, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. But when he sets you free, he says, keep going. Don't stop. Don't look back. Don't be eyeing back there. Don't be turning your head. You just keep going. Just keep coming towards me. Just keep coming towards me. Just keep coming towards me. Don't stop just because the chains have been broken off of you. Don't stop just because you feel a little better now. You keep drawing near to the Lord. That last verse that I read to you, I want to read it one more time. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Father, in the powerful name of Jesus, I thank you for the anointing that breaks yokes. I thank you for how many times you've delivered us, Lord. I thank you for how many times you've set us free. How many times you've rescued us from ourselves. And as we open these altars, Father, I pray that you would do a work here at the altar where you settle some things for some people who know, I got some stuff going on, Lord. I need you to deliver. I need you to come through. I need you to rescue me, Lord. I need your help in this situation. Because, God, I know that you're here to meet us. So be glorified, we pray, in all that we say and all that we do. And we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' name.